Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM. And AM 930, it is good to be with you another Monday evening, reflecting into this call that we have to witness to our faith, a call that has many dimensions. And what I like to do here on this Monday evening is bring in different people to share their journey of faith, because, radio friends, we always must remember that when we talk about this call to witness, it really is about embracing our journey of faith that journey that has God calling us to live this radical life, giving to God these unexpected yeses in our journey that ultimately bear witness to our faith in a profound way, because it is so, as many Christians and Catholics have shown us, it is how we first live uh, that essentially proclaims God's goodness. And then, with that life, uh, people ask new questions about this person you live for in Jesus Christ. So, uh, with that, tonight I have a special guest, Amy Davis, prisoner from St. John the Baptist Catholic Church. Amy, it is great to have you uh, with us tonight. Thank you, Joe, for having me. I'm honored to be here. Amy, you have an important story to tell. Um, your journey deeper into the Catholic faith came about because the death of your mother. Uh, the, the death of one who you were so close with. And you've come here um, so open to the Holy Spirit to talk about this, um, which I think is important for our listeners because so many of us have lost loved ones. Why don't you go ahead and, and share um, a little bit about yourself, Amy, but also certainly uh, your journey uh, deeper into the Catholic faith that came about because of the death of your mother. I am the mother of three uh, small children, I was raised a cradle Catholic, went to, uh, went to church every Sunday growing up, and considered myself, you know, a good Catholic. And, but when my mom died four years ago, in January of 2010, my world came crumbling down around me. And what I realized was that what was missing in my life was a real relationship with my Lord Jesus. That even though I had gone to church every Sunday, I didn't have that personal relationship that I needed to get through such a terrible, you know, tragedy in my life. My mom died um, quickly, and my mom and I were very, very close. We had, um, she was my best friend. She was my rock. She was the person that held me up, and so losing her was very devastating um, to my life. With all this tremendous grief that I was feeling, I also had this desperation of feeling like I had to know that I was going to be with her again. And mm -hmm. it wasn't just a hope. I had to know beyond, beyond a shadow of a doubt that I, we would be together in heaven. And so my faith at that Time wasn't beyond a shadow of a doubt. So it began this searching and searching. 
um, and wanting that relationship with Jesus. And, and I think even at that time, like, I didn't even really even know how to pray. Like, uh, for, a, for a year after she passed away, the only thing that I could even think of was, Lord, have mercy on me. And mm-hmm. I would just repeat that over and over and over. And, you know, one of my, my very best friends would say, Amy, you can't do this alone. Like, you need to lean on, on God. He, you know, he's, he's going to get you through this. You won't be able to get through on your own. But I was in just such despair that, you know, I, just, I think I, just, I didn't know how to pray. So I started with reading, reading books and learning, learning more and talking to people. And I um, reached out to a monk out in Vina. It was a very great blessing for me to meet him. And I went out and I shared my story. And this was probably a year after my mom died. And I was telling him just how, how desperate I felt and how there were times I felt like I didn't want to live mm-hmm. and that I would take my kids to school and then I would just come home and I would spend the day in bed. And I think that, you know, that's probably hard for people to understand because, you know, I had kids of my own that I had to raise and I had a big job to do. But it was just such a loss to me mm-hmm. just not um, having my mom that um, that I just, you know, just didn't know how I was going to get through without her. Yeah, you know, Amy, as you talk about this, we don't always think of prayer in this way, but uh, even those words, Lord, have mercy, that's a prayer. You know, that's a prayer. Tears themselves are not only a prayer, but a powerful prayer. I mean, we must remember that when you talk about prayer, you're talking about conversation with God. Yes, it has this formal aspect to it. When our Lord is asked, how do you pray? He gives us a formal prayer, our Father who art in heaven, so on and so forth. But when we begin to see and appreciate that prayer is about conversation with God, then yeah, if our words, whatever they may be, are directed toward God, then it is prayer. Even if we say to God, if we're screaming to God these words, you know, because we're so upset, we're so confused, we're so distraught, this is prayer because it's conversation. You know, we say, how dare you, God, do this? How dare you, God, do that? If you are actually entering into conversation with God, that's prayer. Of course, we have to remember that we also have to listen. We also have to listen. So we say, you know, how dare you do this, God? How dare you do that? Well, you're asking a question of which it's important to note. The word prayer itself from the Latin precari means to ask. So when you ask a question, what do you do? You listen. This is the obedience piece, because obedience literally means in Latin, obadire, to listen. So yeah, all of this is about what prayer is about. And as you were talking, what struck me there, Amy, is that I didn't know how to pray, and yet you were praying. And that's what's so powerful. And I think those words, Lord have mercy, is what really was drawn you deeper into what then you, you did. I think sometimes like you wanna you wanna feel something back. Even oh, if you don't hear sure. something back, sure, sure. you want to have it's you don't want to feel like your prayer is falling on deaf ears. Mm-hmm, and even mm-hmm. though you know that, that he hears your prayer, um, 
I think a lot of times you want to have uh, this feeling associated yeah. with it. And, you know, that didn't come until later in searching. Sure. And the more that I learned about God and Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his sacrifice for us, the more that I loved him. Mm. And the more that I loved him, the more that I wanted to serve him and saw my life as a real call to holiness, mm -hmm. which was a huge revelation to me because, you know, before my mom died, sadly, I never really gave it a lot of thought what the will of God was for my life. And, and I remember probably a year and a half after she passed away and I was praying and, and all of a sudden I, uh, as I was praying, I said, you know, Lord, show me your will for my life. I, I want to do your will. But I was so astonished that I even prayed that because I'd never even given it any thought before. Sure. But, but, in, but, I, but I realized at that time just how he was transforming me mm -hmm. and how he, was, how he was making me for his own and showing me what his will was for my life. And, you know, I think God is a gentleman, and he's there waiting, waiting for us to step towards him. But then as soon as we take that step, he rewards us, like, with blessings and graces and, you know, almost like the cheerleader for me that my mom always was. Mm. Like, you know, yes, Amy. And I was uh, reading this book, and it was on trying to discern like what, how you saw yourself in a relationship with Jesus. Are you a warrior for him? Are you a servant of him? Are you a child of Jesus? And what I really felt like I was his beloved. Mm -hmm. And if that was something that for a couple of weeks I really I meditated on, that I prayed on, and I really gave it a lot of thought of, of how I saw that relationship with him. And so I decided, you know, I, I am his beloved. <laughs> and it was probably three days after that that all of a sudden it just dawned on me that my name is Amy and it means beloved. Mm -hmm. And But during this discernment of trying to decide, like, how this relationship was, I never really thought about what the meaning of my name was. So it was such a huge confirmation for me mm. that... You know, that, yes, I am his beloved and that, you know, I am on the right path. And so just keep moving forward, you know, on your path of faith and mm. on this journey that, you know, I'm on the right track. And so that's such great um, affirmation because, yeah. you know, sometimes you wonder, like, in life, like, am I, you know, am I on the right path? And so it was just such an uplifting feeling. Mm. Amen. That's a beautiful story, Amy. And, you know, the spiritual doctors of the church call those moments fiery darts of love. And those fiery darts of love is how you see God working providentially in your life. You know, I mean, how beautiful is that, that the Holy Spirit puts on your heart uh, this deep understanding of who you are in your relationship with God, His beloved. And only weeks after or days later do you come to realize that this is what your name means, which is significant, Amy, because we must always remember, especially in light of Scripture, that when you look at the importance of a name, you, you see it within the context of this kind of 
foreordained purpose or this foreordained vocation that God has given you. You see this all throughout sacred scripture. And how beautiful is that, that within God's grand scheme of, of things, you are Amy, you are my beloved, and how that truth has penetrated you um, all these years later, and how, as God is the Lord of history and his providential care, you are made to see that at just the right point. And that's God's providence. He gives us things, these fiery darts of love, when he knows we are best served to receive them. You are a mother, you know, of three kids, and I am a father, I have four kids. We want to give our kids everything, but we know when the best time is to give our kid that one thing. We just don't give everything to them at once. They couldn't handle it, right? And so uh, God, as Father, knows that, uh, yeah, for you, it was the right time for you to see the deeper meaning behind your name, which I think is wonderful, you know, beloved. And isn't this, is this not what uh, John calls us all to, to be our Lord's beloved mm-hmm. disciple? And it is in the light of this, that I want to talk maybe a little bit about this this call to discipleship because, uh, Amy, I have gotten to know you better just within these last few months because of your own vigor and, and fervor for the faith, living out your discipleship. Yeah, we are all called to this discipleship, and clearly uh, God has put anointing upon you to, to serve Him in a very special way, to be just not a disciple but beloved disciple, Maybe if you could speak to that a little bit, what God has put on your heart as it relates to the people that you encounter. Mm-hmm. I know we know each other because of our proximity to Notre Dame School. We both have kids that go to Notre Dame School. And I see you talking about Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, God has transformed me. From the outside looking in, Amy, I taught the sons of your sister, and I remember seeing you eight, nine years ago, and I kind of watched from a distance this transformation. In my own, in my own eyes, I, I was smiling, you know, yeah. <laughs> seeing you from a distance. And um, certainly, something has happened, and you, you've talked about this—this this kind of interior transformation that uh, has taken place due to the death of your mom. Um, maybe you can speak mm-hmm. to that a little bit. Yep, I'd be happy to. Um, Uh, One point I do want to make, and I want to get back to just when I um, became friends with the monk out in Vina, Mm. and after I got done, you know, telling him just how um, devastated I was and and just what a horrible tragedy this has been for my life, and and um, but I did say, you know, I can see that the, the only good thing that has come out of my mom's passing away is that I'm drawing myself closer to Jesus Christ. And his response to me was, well, that's a price worth paying. And I wanted to say to him, didn't you just hear me? (laughs) (laughs) Did did you just hear what I had to say? That this has been, you know, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Yeah, yeah. But he did hear what I said. And just he's such a holy man that I, you know, respect so much, and so that's something that I have thought about. Oh, I can't tell you how many times that I mm. I have reflected on that. You know, a price worth paying. That in, in that in my mom passing away, that in her dying, 
has um, given me a better chance at um, eternal life. Yeah. Which, what a beautiful gift that, that she has given me. Amen. And I think it goes back to that salient principle in Christian spirituality, Amy, that less is more. You know how um, when we experience death, there's a certain emptiness. And what God does with that emptiness is he fills it up, you know, with his grace and his goodness. And and that's a gift. Mm -hmm. Even if it is an excruciating gift, it is a gift. I'd like to say, you know, I, I hear so often and especially recently, gosh, I've been in a number of different conversations. Joe, this is just excruciating. Joe, I just can't deal with this. Joe, this is overwhelming. And I listen to them, and certainly I can appreciate what they're going through as overwhelming, excruciating, all the less. But when the time is right, I, there there is a truth that encircles their experience that I think ultimately in the end is a price worth Pain, it's to remember the ex- what is excruciating is excuses, you know, in the Latin, it, from the cross. So all of us have this excruciating thing that we go through. But what we don't always see is that this is God's infinite mercy. You are praying in the beginning you, when you were talking about your journey. You said, Lord, have mercy. That the divine wisdom, the divine genius says, ah, I heard your prayer before you even prayed it because the mercy that I have for you is the very fact that you are now giving me these words and your very real encounter, your very real experience is drawing you into my life. It is encouraging you to ask new questions because always on the other side of new questions about life in general is new beginnings. And that's what's so beautiful about that. I mean, I've read so much on suffering and the purpose of suffering. And I think that um, as Americans, we have it so good that when you look around the world and how um, people suffer, you know, we have it so much better here. But I think the purpose of suffering does, it brings us closer to God and wanting to unite our suffering with his suffering on the cross. And there's comfort in that, mm-hmm. that there mm-hmm. is, you, you find um, comfort in that, in drawing yourself um, closer to Him. Yeah. So there is a real purpose in, in suffering. Yeah. By suffering, Christ does not remove the need to suffer, but ultimately gives suffering redemptive power. Mm-hmm. And what Paul in Colossians one twenty four and 1 Peter 4.13, what these authors of the New Testament tell us ultimately is that we are called to share in this suffering, uh, that in, in this very paradoxical way, unexpected way, we've been given a gift in this. Because in so far as we are vested with the flesh, Amy, we will always suffer. And there isn't anything that we can do to avoid suffering. Suffering takes on, as we've already kind of talked about, different dimensions. The loss of a loved one. I remember uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, I, I lost my father and it happened quick. And uh, as a young man, 16 years old, I was asking lots of questions and there was lots of suffering, you know, and you, you kind of try to navigate through this, but it's only until you understand that in the end, it's about the cross. And only then will everything that we do, everything that we are about begin to make sense. When we do what Jesus did when he was here on earth, put everything in light of the hour, Remember in the Gospel of John, what was Jesus doing? 
he was constantly looking towards the end. He was living with the end in mind. And when we do that, when we go to that overarching truth of seeing all things in light of the end, we will begin to discover anew the meaning of life itself. So we must pick up our crosses and allow Jesus in to those moments that would have us going deeper into our faith. Certainly, uh, Amy, that is what's so beautiful about what you've done. You know, you had this huge cross and you invited Jesus in. And by inviting Jesus in, he began to reconstruct. And it is in that reconstruction process that our hearts are made anew. New life is always on the other side of the cross if indeed we pick up our crosses. For Jesus Christ, the cross was the instrument to salvation. And so it is. The cross we bear is the singular instrument that is the way in which we attain salvation. And what awaits us is a new found joy. That is the person of Jesus Christ. So, you know, as you were talking, Amy, about death, I think there's an important point to be had. And it brings us back to St. Augustine. You know, St. Augustine once said that with death comes a profound grace. What did he mean by that? Well, he meant a number of different things. The first being the fact that uh, on our deathbed, we are made most vulnerable. And Amy, when we are vulnerable, that is a very good thing because it brings us to this place of dependency. It brings us to this place of self-abandonment. It brings us to this place of needing God more. And so when St. Augustine says, <laughs> we have a profound grace awaiting us on our deathbed, what he means to say is, in the end, we have been given a new understanding of what life is all about. <laughs> and sometimes it takes us, it takes us until we die. Yeah. But yet this is a profound grace. But he adds something else to that. And I think it really is uh, pertinent to our discussion this evening. And that is the grace that then encircles the loved ones around you. The grace that encircles uh, those who are there at the deathbed. We are then provoked to ask that new question that is going to lead to that new beginning. Your whole story is based upon what St. Augustine is talking about, really. The grace that comes from that personal encounter with death and then how that encounter leads to that new question, which ultimately again leads to the new beginning. And how in the light of death, we are made to see everything that we do, everything that we are, all anew. And this is a grace. This is a gift from God. And these are the kinds of things that we are made to reflect upon. As difficult as it may be for a time, this, this is powerful stuff because then it begins to project your whole life onto something entirely new. Um, you're right. And you asked about how I, um, how I go about witnessing my faith now. So I do want to answer that question for you and how you see me around school, talking to my friends, and because um, it is my favorite subject, talking about Jesus, because he has transformed my life. And I think when that happens to you, you are on fire with the Spirit, and you do want to share that with people because you see how your interior life has changed. And 
the peace that I found when I I mentioned that I was just desperate with this feeling of I had to see my mom again. It was just this unsettledness mm. where now I have peace and mm. this peace of knowing that we will be together again and I will be with the Lord Jesus and we'll be together and they're there waiting for me and there's such comfort that mm. comes from that that my journey here on earth, I, I want to help whoever I can, and I want to share my experience with them. And so I do it whenever I can, and um, yeah. Amen. Yeah. You know, as you're talking, Amy, I cannot help but think how peace itself evangelizes the heart. You use the word unsettled, and there are a lot of people, mea culpa, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people who are unsettled. Um, they get so busy that they lose sight of why they are doing what they are doing. And then they come across someone who's at peace. And they themselves now want to know why, why you're at peace in your life. I can't help but think how when you start talking about peace, when you put it in the context of the incarnation of peace, Jesus Christ, that yeah, we no longer see peace as some negotiated settlement, as Pope Francis would like to say, um, or the absence of warfare, but really spiritual welfare, being in covenant harmony with Jesus Christ. We often want to define peace as the absence of conflict, absolutely, when in reality, we are always going to be within the midst of some trial or some conflict, but it's our internal peace that we have in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that we say in unison with Christ as we face that storm, peace, be still. You're right. And that peace um, also in your marriage, I mean, mm-hmm. it, has, it, it has transformed my marriage, my, how my relationship with Jesus, how that has carried over into all the other relationships in my life as far as wanting to be a more loving wife, a more loving mother, and sharing my faith with my kids and wanting them to have that mm-hmm. and it passing all that on, I mean, it just, it flows out of you. And mm-hmm. that's, I think, it should flow out of you. That's what Jesus wants us to do when he goes, uh, goes out there and tells us to spread the good news that you should be peaceful and you should be joyful. People mm-hmm. are attracted to that. That is a, an excellent point, Amy, and it is fitting that we close with that. Huh, you know, off the top, you talked so openly and so beautifully about what Jesus did in your life as it relates to your journey of faith, as it relates to your new encounter with Jesus Christ because of the death of your mother. And where did it bring you? It brought you to that most important place of what it means to truly love, of what it means to truly give of yourself each and every day, each and every moment to your husband to your kids, and to those who surround you. But it can only come from a newfound relationship with Jesus Christ. I like to say, in God for other. When we discover that, we've discovered truly the beauty of the Christian and Catholic vocation, that once we discover what it means to be in a loving relationship with Jesus Christ, we will then discover what it means to love as Jesus loved. And yes, It is the concreteness and particularity of all that is the wonder and beauty of family life that we become saints. Amen. 
Let us close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. You've been listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at jholljmj at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.